following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Matthew 13 tonight. Matthew 13. I was thinking about what to preach tonight, and uh, since we're not in a series, and um, Lord lay this passage of Scripture on my heart. Matthew 13, and let's look, if you will, at verse 44. Matthew 13, and beginning in verse 44. Here the Bible says, And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchantman seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he hath, had and bought it. I'd like to uh, preach on this subject tonight. What or whom do you and I value? What or whom do you, and I, do you or I value? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. And Father, for the teaching that we'll get from it tonight. Lord, thank you for causing us to consider, uh, Father, the value of things. And Lord, there are a lot of things in this world that we value that are worthless. And I pray, God, that you would help us to see what's important, what we ought to value, and whom we ought to value. And Lord, if there's a problem in any of our hearts concerning these things, I pray, God, that you'd help us to change. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again. What or whom do you and I value? You know, here in our text, the Lord is establishing an important principle of valuing something which is truly of great value. You know, I think sometimes of people that collect things. And uh, my wife at times has been on the internet trying to find, she likes to find um, things for the grandkids. and So she's always looking for a bargain. And she's been looking at... uh, these Polly Pockets. I'm a, I don't know how many girls remember Polly Pockets, but my, when my kids were little, Polly Pockets were a big thing. Well, now my uh, wife has gotten them for, the, for my granddaughter, not my grandson, per se. Oh, here we go. I'm baptizing. You go online. You're looking at these, these things are posted on eBay and stuff. And the ridiculous amounts of money sometimes people want. What was it, a bag of the little people that go in the Polly Pockets? What was the... That, And she read that to me, and I looked at the bag, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And I guess it comes down to, if you have something that you think is of value, you'll try to put it, and you know, people collect things, they, you know, they collect all kinds, I mean, if, if, it's, if it's possible to collect it, people collect it. I mean, beer caps, beer bottles, I mean, you name it. And it's ridiculous sometimes the value that people put. But, you know, people place value on things. They place va- it's like some of the uh, famous paintings <coughs> that are supposed to be famous. You know, modern art painting. I, can't rem- I don't know, know uh, painters. I can't remember names. I remember Rembrandt and some of these guys. But he wasn't a modern art kind of guy. But I've seen some modern art that goes for hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars. And I look at it and I think, what? It's like somebody got up in the morning, slapped a little paint on the canvas, and went back to bed. And I'm thinking to myself, I could do that. And 
without trying. I missed my calling. I should have been a painter. But, I mean, value is strange. I mean, the things that people value. When I hear in our text, Lord, I think, is trying to establish for us uh, some important things concerning what we value and who. In the, in the, if you look back to our text in verse 44, this is, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hidden in a field which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy uh, thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, the primary context is speaking about the kingdom of heaven being, and uh, being saved of uh, uh, or the value of the gospel as being great or valuable. You know, it, you know when, before we're saved, uh, before we see the gospel and recognize our need of the gospel, we don't value it. But when the Lord turns on the light, we see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, uh, of Christ and it, God brings it home to our Suddenly we begin to say, you know, this is something I need. And uh, so, you know, when, we, when finally the Lord helps us to see that, uh, then we go after it. And you know what? If it really means something to us, you know what? We'll be willing to give up whatever we have to give up, pay whatever price we have to pay in order to, to secure that object, if you will. And so it is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we, we speak to people about Christ. We speak to them about the gospel. We want them to be saved. But you know what, folks? We value it because the Lord helped us to see it. And we wanted it. We went after it. We got it. But sometimes when people are faced with the gospel, when the light of the glorious gospel shines in their hearts, they don't value it. And I, you know, I, sometimes I wonder, why wouldn't you value the gospel of Christ? Why wouldn't you want to be saved? And yet people make the choice all the time not to be saved. And sometimes we get upset by it because we think, well, man, I've done all I can do. I've witnessed to them. I've tried to bring them to church. I mean, I've done everything I can do. I mean, don't they see it? Don't they value it? No, they don't. And it's a choice that they make, a choice to value. You know what, folks? If we believe something is valuable, we'll go after it. Again, these collectors, the hubcaps. People collect hubcaps. I've seen some interesting-looking hubcaps, but people collect them. And they may pay a lot of money for a hubcap. But in comparison to the gospel, you know, look with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, Paul understood this issue of value, in particular the gospel. In Philippians chapter 3, looking at verse 7, Paul wrote, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And now, what things is he talking about? Well, his, his religious pedigree his religious background, all of the energy and all the time he put into his religion brought him, did not bring him any closer to Christ, but when finally the, glorious, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shined in his heart, suddenly he realized, whoa, here's what, I, here's what I need, and here is what I want. And he said, I'll give up all the other things because they're nonsense. They're of no value. The Lord shined the light in his heart. He saw the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ in verse 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is the law, 
but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know, what an amazing thing when God helps us to see our need and we see the one who can meet the need, we see God's plan for meeting the need, and suddenly we're faced with a choice. Is it worth it to me to let go of? Sometimes with some people it's sin. Some people struggle with sin. They say, well, I'll have to give certain things up in order to to have Christ. Remember the rich young ruler? The Lord said, go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor and come and follow me. Now, is that a requirement for going to heaven? No. But the Lord was testing him concerning what he valued more. The gospel and being saved or his wealth. See, folks, it's important what we value and whom we value. When it comes to being saved, folks, do we value the gospel? of You know, in uh, Romans 1, look over there with me. <clears throat> I started to quote it, but I thought, you know, I'm going to have one of those brain fogs, <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to. Romans 1 and 16, Paul wrote here, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. You know, Paul valued the gospel. He said, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm, I glory in it. I'm thankful for it because I believe. And it's true. Now, you know, I've said this before and the Bible says it. The truth is the truth because God said it, not because we believe it. But it is important that we believe it with all of our heart because if we do, we'll value it. And we'll go after it as being the thing that we absolutely need and we want. Amen? You know, one thing you and I can't do, we can't want for other people. We can't want to be saved for them. Amen? God can work in their heart. Even God can't make them want it. They have to want it. They have to value it. They have to go after it. And they will if they do value it. Look with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Look at verse 1. O everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come buy and eat. Yea, uh, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is uh, not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make you, uh, an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. You know, here the Lord is, uh, is calling people uh, to himself and wanting them to value what God values, folks. God's plan, God's way is perfect, the only way to go to heaven, and yet people don't value it because they don't believe it. Amen? And they don't want it. And you know, we can't want for people, even though we do want for people. Amen? We can't make them, we can't make them value what's true. What about looking back to Matthew 13 again? Matthew 13 and verse 45 Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking a goodly pearl, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, the second thing is not only the value of the gospel and the kingdom of heaven, but the value of Christ, the pearl of great price. 
You know, folks, whom do we value? There's one person we ought to value above all people, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But folks, and God, you know, God has to reveal to us the value of Christ. And yet when he does, sometimes people don't value him. Look with me to Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and 1. Bible says, and when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him unto Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to, to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver and said, It is not lawful to put, it, uh, to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and, and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore the field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord had appointed me. Now you know what, folks, do you get the, what's, what the Lord's saying here? Israel did not value Christ, even though their religion in its purity pointed to the Christ that did come. But when he came, they did not believe that he was the Christ. They did not value him. Even Judas, who was as close to him as any person could have been, walked with him, talked with him, lived with him, but didn't value him, did not receive him as his Lord and Savior. And for 30 pieces of silver, betrayed him to death. Now we know, we know God knew it was going to happen. But Judas had a choice to make. And he didn't value Christ. He didn't value Christ when he, when he, and he saw it firsthand. Everything that Christ did, everything that Christ said, he saw it firsthand. Had no excuse for not valuing him. And yet he didn't. You know, I can see sometimes us str struggling not having seen Christ with our eyes, not having seen the miracles, although we can see them here by faith. How could Judas not believe that Jesus was the Christ? Remember in John 6, Jesus said, and whom do, he, they said, and will you also go away? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, and yet one of you, in verse 71, is a devil. One of you is a devil. Of the 12 men closest to Christ, one of them was a devil. One was someone who did not believe, even as the devil did not believe. And did not receive him, did not value him. And folks, when it finally came to him what he'd done, suddenly the 30 pieces of silver were worthless. But it was too late. 
Judas didn't repent to salvation. He was sorry, but he went out and did the wrong thing. He hung himself. He should have repented and gotten saved, but he couldn't. He did not value the Lord. In Philippians 1 and 21, Paul writes, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For Paul, Christ was of greatest value. And it affected everything he did in his life. In Colossians 3, if you look with me to Colossians 3 and 1, he says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is our life. For me to live is Christ. Where is the value of Christ in your heart or mine? Do we value Christ, the pearl of great price? We ought to. I think, though, in this world today, There are many things vying, vying for our affection, trying to turn away our value of Christ to something else. What about the value of discipleship? You know, it's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing to be a disciple of the Lord. Lots of people say I'm Christian, but not everybody's a disciple of the Lord. What is a disciple? He's a learner. He's a follower of a master, of a Lord, of a teacher. Look at me to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Oftentimes we leave girls out of the picture, so to speak, when we talk about doing things for the Lord and what have you. But in Ruth chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 15. Here Naomi is talking to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Now, Orpah. Wouldn't you love the, the name Orpah? Now, little Orpah. Orpah's gone back to her family. And, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And she expected it to happen. But there was something going on in Ruth's heart that wasn't going on in Orpah's heart. She valued something more than her family back home, her gods back home, and things like that. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge, and thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee from me. Now, that woman's a disciple of the Lord. She was a genuine disciple of the Lord. And you know what? She lived for the Lord as a new convert. She went on to live for God. And we have a book written about her, a book written about a Gentile convert, a Gentile convert that's in the line of Jesus Christ. Amen? In the line of Jesus Christ. There's two, you know, there's two Gentile women in the line of Jesus Christ. Ruth and Rahab the harlot, both saved by the grace of God, both Gentiles, Gentile converts to Christ. 
and disciples of the Lord. Luke 14. Luke 14. Look at verse 25. And there was a great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, again, he's not advocating that you hate your family. But he's talking about who do we value more and what do we value more. You know, sometimes, folks, sometimes our family, sometimes our family will will put us in a position of whether whether we might compromise over something. They might want us to compromise with them on something. And we have to ask ourselves a question. Do I love the Lord? And do I want to be a disciple, Lord, even if it means my family won't like me? Am I going to follow the Lord even if they're not going to follow God? We're talking about what we value and who we're following. You know, I love my kids, but if my kids won't serve God, I'm not going to stop serving God because they don't serve God. Now, is that happening? I don't know, Joel. What are you doing back there, buddy? I mean, I don't have that problem in this, in this sense. But sometimes unsafe family members will try to keep us from following the Lord and cause us to want to value them above the Lord. We will always love our children. We always love our family. But we don't value them above the Lord and following Him. Amen? We're talking about discipleship. He goes on to say here, or his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doeth uh, doth uh, not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all the behold and began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish or what king goeth to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with ten thousand, or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciples. He's talking about counting the cost. You know, there's a cost to being a disciple. It's going to cost you something to be a disciple. You're going to have to decide what do you value more? Being the Lord's disciple or maybe being the disciple or a follower of something else. And sometimes, folks, Christian people are tempted to turn from the way, turn from following the Lord and being a disciple of the Lord. You know, you better count the cost. If we don't value Christ, we may value something else. If we don't value being a disciple, we're going to value something else. And that something else will turn us away from being a disciple of the Lord. In Hebrews 11, in verse 24, Hebrews 11 and 24. Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Royalty. Moses was royalty in line to be the Pharaoh. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of reward. You know what? He was an Old Testament Christian, an Old Testament disciple of the Lord. And you know what he had to do? He had to make up his mind, what's of real value to me? Following the Lord or being king? Following the Lord or being king? See, there needs to only be one king in your heart, and that's the Lord. You can't be king. If you're king, you're going to mess it up. If you're king, you're valuing the wrong thing. If you're king, you're not going to follow the Lord like you ought to. You're going to do what you want when you want instead of doing what God wants when he wants. Amen? It's important. The value of discipleship, if you will. What about the value of the church? Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. By the way, I have a six-point outline. I'm, I'm following the example. Brother Knight, if he can do it, I can do it. Matthew 16, 18. The Bible says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The rock is Christ Jesus, not Peter. But the church is important to Christ. Christ valued the church, did he not? Ephesians 5. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. Now, Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. Now, the church is in a building. It's a body. It's a body of believers. Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. He valued the church and he gave himself for it. But do we value the church? Do we value each other? Do we value being here? Do we value the word of God that we hear? Do we value the one that gives the word of God that you hear? And the six-point outline. Do we value these things? Do we? Then if we do, why aren't we here when we can be? Amen? You know, some people don't value the church, so they don't come. They don't value the church, so they don't come. They can't get out of bed because they don't value the church. They don't value what they have here. And you know what's, what's difficult? Is that most people do value the church. Most people are here doing what God wants them to do, paying the price, And all of that, they're here. And sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're not. You're trying to make me feel guilty. Amen.
Amen. Because what do we value? Amen. Amen. Hebrews 10. If the Lord values the church, and you know what? Do you think that the Lord ever misses church? Well, Pastor Walters, I won't be there today. I'm sleeping in. My toes are cold. I can't make it. I haven't had breakfast yet. Later. Later. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And that's the context of the church. Amen. Hebrews 10. Look at verse 22. And let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, you know what? He's writing to a people who are struggling with coming to church because of persecution. Not because they don't want to get out of bed. No. Preacher, you ever feel like staying in bed? Amen. Sometimes Sunday morning rolls around, and I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to go to church? I'll call in sick. <laughs> That's a good excuse, amen? I'll call in sick. Sometimes I am sick. Of what? Of whom? <clears throat> I'm human. Never get tired, preacher, not want to get out of bed? Amen? Amen. You know, I like Saturday mornings because that's one of the few days of the week I sleep in. Except for when I'm hunting. And then there are times I should have slept in when I went instead of go hunting. Amen. Doug says, you should have slept in, Pastor. <laughs> you know? uh -uh. Malachi 3. You say, well, preacher, why would you want to sleep in? Because I know who's preaching. <laughs> I know what the message is. I don't want to hear it again. Preacher, yeah, I know. Malachi 3. Let's look at verse 6. And I read this in context. Forget that little squiggly thing you find in there in verse 7. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be, may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time of the field in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Do you value your church? 
Well, surely I value my church. Then why don't you tithe? Why don't you tithe? Preacher, I can't afford to tithe. You know what? Tithing is the beginning of giving. It's the beginning of giving. It's 10% of your increase. Now, your increase may not be a lot, but 10% belongs to God. Otherwise, God says you're a thief. You don't value, you don't value me, and you don't value the house of God, which is the storehouse. It's, it's the place where we bring the tithes and offerings so that there's meat in the house, so the pastor doesn't go hungry. And it takes a lot more to feed me, amen, than it used to. How do you think we pay the bills? The heat, the light, the water, the sewer, all of that, the trash? Pastor's salary, that exorbitant salary that I make. From tithes and offerings. Amen. Amen. And you know what? I thank God and I commend the 90% of God's people who give. And I thank God I can say 90%. 90% give. But there are some who don't. Now, sometimes it's because maybe you're, you're new and you don't know, what have you. <clears throat> but, but, what do you value? Do you value your church? Amen. Now, it's not often that I get on, on tithing and giving and stomp all everybody's... You know, people are going to go out of here thinking, boy, I should have worn my steel-toed boots tonight. He just made me feel miserable. Remember, that's part of my calling of God. It's to make you feel terrible. No. But this is a truth. And we are talking about valuing your church. Valuing your God. Valuing his word. Amen. Now, because I'm such a nice guy, we'll go and catch the other two points next week. And maybe some other points. You know, this is a... This could be an unending message. I could go after everything under the sun. And I may. But just in four things. Just in four. Do we value the gospel and the kingdom of heaven? Do we value Christ, the pearl of great price? Do we value, if you will, what was that other thing? (laughs) The discipleship. Do you value your church? Just in four things, that's been tough. Next, next week, next Wednesday, come with your flak vest on, your fire retardant materials, amen? And we'll see if we can't get down to a few more. But folks, in a world that we live in that doesn't seem to value much, what about you? Who or what do you value most? Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.